Welcome to Ask the $50 Billion Man with high-performance executive success coach, Dan Pena. The only show where you ask and you get complete, no-holds-barred answers. You want the truth? Can you handle the truth? Ask only if you dare. Head on to www.askthe50billiondollarman.com to submit your questions. And now, your host, Dan Pena. South China Sea. My name is Dan Pena, and welcome to my first Ask the $50 Billion Man podcast. We're going to get started now, and I'm looking forward to answering as many questions as I can. Thank you. Let's get going. Good day, QLA devotees. I'm looking forward to um, this first scheduled podcast here at my home and we will participate as long as um, the questions uh, are germane to you guys. But let me clear up a little uh, uh, instructions uh, before we go forward. Um, based on the overwhelming number of submissions I've gotten in the past few weeks, I've decided to give people who have not had the Catholic Seminar experience a chance to take part in it. So for this year, even though I have received really great questions from my mentees, I will be, although I will be answering them in the podcast episodes, but they will not be included uh, in the contest submissions. And remember, the contest submissions means that you have an opportunity to win a um, attendance at a Catholic seminar uh, if we pick your question as the leading question. I would just like to make clear the following contest term conditions. Number one, the stay at the castle and attendance and castle seminar is free, but not the airfare. It means you've got to get there on your own. That means if you win, you pay to get to Scotland and back. Number two, the winner of the Ask the $50 Billion Man contest will be announced after my last scheduled seminar for 2014, and the winner will be able to join us in 2015. Now, for the questions. I've gotten enough questions to give five podcasts. So as I commented on my uh, Twitter and LinkedIn early this morning, I got up about four o'clock in the morning to go through the questions once again. And one of the things that we're gonna talk about is um, preparation. Even though I could answer these questions in my sleep, I could answer these questions in a coma. Uh, I've gone over them several times, uh, picking the best ones out and eliminating some of the ones that should you should already have the answers to. But I've sprinkled a few questions that are not um, the best questions, but they were asked so many times, it must be because obviously there's a need. Now, two other points. One, I said that there was a limit, uh, a limit of only three questions per participant. Well, many of you asked many more than three questions. It's very clear uh, that I said three questions. But where germane for most of the devotees and mentees that are gonna be listening to this, I answered even some of the best questions even though you asked um, uh, more than three. And number two, I said, please do not give me any questions that are like case study from business schools. I mean long, in-depth, copious questions that have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven parts. Well, as life would have it, several of you asked me business school case study questions. Uh, 
so where I felt it was germane for you guys, I answered parts of those case studies, but not the entire case studies. Now, uh, most of you left your names, uh, emails, addresses, and some, in some cases even phone numbers. But several of you just left them anonymously. Now, I'm not sure why you left them anonymously, but obviously if you left them anonymously, you can't win. Uh, that's not my fault and that's not my staff's fault. Uh, so we will do the very best we can to trace you down if an anonymous question does win. Um, but at this juncture, we have many, many questions uh, and uh, we have one or two that are possible winners for the contest in 2014. So let's get started. Um, first question. Uh, where can I buy official product? This is, an, this is actually asked by several of you. I don't sell QLA product anymore. Uh, as I told you, if you want the product, you can get it on Torrent. Uh, we, we definitively have said this over the last several months, but still we get questions. Now, if you want a clean copy of the, um, and, and please believe me, this podcast is not a selling exercise. If you want a clean copy of your first uh, 100 million, you can contact my office and we still can get you one uh, and we can sell it to you. But as far as all the other QLA product dating back to the mid 90s, uh, up until 2012 and 13, we don't sell it anymore uh, and it's available on Torrent. The exercise for QLA isn't for me to make money uh, and, um, the, and I hope you realize that by now. And the question is why I don't sell it anymore? Well, if I had known what I know now, I probably should have made QLA a nonprofit organization because I certainly haven't made any, any money on it, contrary to what some of you might think. Uh, my idea is to drag as many of you across the goal line as is humanly possible. And we just celebrated our 21st year uh, in uh, business as uh, putting out QLA across the country, across the world, around the world, and we had a lot of successes. Uh, so. I will continue to, to give the product for free. Okay. What are your, th oh. I also want to thank, take this opportunity to thank um, Brian Rose, the founder of London Real. If I hadn't been interviewed by Brian Rose um, in London Real uh, a few weeks ago, I probably wouldn't have done this because I had always thought it was a time too much of a time constraint on me. But uh, having reached so many people on London Real, uh, I realized that I can, with, through the kindness of Brian Rose, I realized I can reach more people in a few months than I probably did in the last few years. So I want to thank Brian uh, for the opportunity. I also want to thank my mentee, Peter Sage, who was interviewed a few months before I was, who mentioned me as his mentor in the book, Your First Hundred Million. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Brian. And so I'm here indirectly or directly because of Brian Sage mentioning my name uh, to Brian Rose. And as an aside, Brian and I have been in contact since I left. Uh, and uh, his show, which was aired on uh, Easter Sunday, which I jokingly said, I have no trouble going up against the big man on Easter. And the results have been pretty phenomenal. But uh, we're in the preliminary stages of scheduling the second uh, interview with Brian uh, at the castle, it looks like. And uh, 
I hope that uh, that comes to fruition. It will probably be sometime in October. Um, and the, uh, it should be fun uh, because the ambiance of Guthrie Castle is pretty darn special. And as uh, many of you know, I will celebrate my 30th anniversary of uh, owning Guthrie Castle. And to be more specific, a trust owns Guthrie Castle. I don't. Um, irrevocable trust. So I'm looking forward to that. But in that vein, I've been asked, um, what are your thoughts of um, the various um, hallucinogenic drugs that Brian talks about? Well, I, I, have, I have no real opinion uh, other than um, I, don't, I never felt the need for them myself. I've been high on life since I'm in my early 20s. And I don't need to uh, have a, uh, an extra uh, helping hand to, to uh, focus on uh, what I want and what I need. Uh, so I'm not here to tell you to do it, and I'm not here to tell you not to do it. That's up to you. Uh, you have mentioned in your interviews uh, that self-esteem is a very important attribute towards your success. You also mentioned that this is normally built up in the early years of life through parenting. This was followed by you mentoring that it is harder to build, mentioning that it is harder to build self-esteem uh, when you hit 50, uh, 40, 50. Do you believe a high level of self-esteem cannot be built at this age or can it be uh, with commitment? The answer is yes, you can build self-esteem. Obviously it's better if you have self-esteem from eight or nine as I did. But the question is, how can you build it in 40s and 50s? Well, as I've mentioned before, you are the average of the five people you hang around with most. So if you're not hanging around with high self-esteem people at age 40, 45, or 50 or over, then the chances of you building your self-esteem are pretty damn remote. So take a look at who you're hanging with, and I don't like that terminology, but who you're exposed to most of the time uh, those four, five, six people. And if those people aren't high-performance people, then the chances of you building uh, self-esteem, no matter how committed you are in your 40s or 50s, is pretty darn remote. Um, I don't know what you're planning on talking about in the next we webinar. This is not a webinar, uh, but a topic that I'm very interested in, and hopefully others are, is how stringent the banks have gotten on lending here in the UK. Do you have any tips to help loosen the lending criteria of the banks? Also, have you noticed any tightening of the investment criteria from venture capitalists and or business angels? I guess what I'm saying is, how do we get more money? Okay, good question. Uh, the answer's pretty simple. Dream team, dream team, dream team. By definition, not necessarily me, but if somebody like me is your chairman and you have people that have been credible and successful in their previous, in their current careers and previous life, then by definition, the banks will say, gee whiz, Joe, these guys are hanging their future careers, they're hanging their reputations on you. So it must be a better deal than just looking at a 25 or 35 year old guy that doesn't have that much success. That's how you get in the door to the financial institutions, one. And that's how, they're not gonna loosen their investment criteria for you but they will look at you more favorably because they will say, Dr. So-and-so, the former president of such and such, believes in you enough to rest their reputation with you, i.e., you will find the banks more receptive. 
uh, uh, and the banks will not change your lending criteria. And again, I want to make sure you understand that. But if it's a fine line and it's a gray area, they'll go with you and not say no. Um, does Dan think that aspiring entrepreneurs should try and start a business on a part-time basis and keep day, their day job until the new venture begins to generate some serious income? Or quit the day job and devote 100% of the time and energy to getting the new venture uh, started up? Well, I've said this countless times till I'm blue in the face. I've never seen a part-time, high-performance person. Although I got some sarcastic, a couple of sarcastic remarks from uh, the recent London Rio uh, interview about uh, part-time. But uh, the, the most successful people that I've seen have not been part-time. They have been full-time. Uh, because number one, you only have one time to make a first impression. And a few questions, a few pages from now, when I talk about dress and appearance, it gets down to that. People will ask you, is this a full-time commitment on your part? What else are you doing? You know, how committed are you, et cetera, et cetera. And if it's a part-time endeavor, you're answering the, um, their question uh, by default in a negative way. What business sector would uh, Dan consider getting into today if he was starting from scratch with limited resources and no insider uh, knowledge? Now, as I've said, again, till I'm goddamn blue in the face, your first hundred million was written starting with no money. I had $820, but that's pretty close to no money. The reason I wrote the book and the reason that I followed that plan is because I had no money when I started. So that takes into consideration most of the people watching this thing. So as I told Rick Scott, who's the current governor of Florida when he was my lawyer and a devotee of mine 30 years ago when he says, Dan, what industries do you think are the right thing to get involved in now? I said, telecommunications and healthcare. Telecommunications, which means internet and healthcare. And he went out on to found the Columbia Healthcare, which was the largest healthcare company in the world until the federal government disbanded it in the late 90s. That's a whole other story why they disbanded it, uh, but uh, he did a great job and I wish him good luck in his uh, re-election bid, uh, this, uh, I guess it's later this year, for his second term as governor of the state of Florida. Um, a gentleman asked me, uh, he's going in for a meeting uh, regarding the $200 million funding. How should I enter the lunch? I would enter the lunch with braggadocious, not in an obnoxious way, but looking like I look. I mean, most of the other uh, personal development and success coaches don't look like me. Most of the other guys and gals haven't been as successful as me. I'm not saying they haven't done a lot of good. They have done a lot of good. But their model and my model is completely different. I'm trying to drag you, or in, if I'm doing it personally, or you drag yourself across the goal line. So you go in looking like a million dollars, they used to say, and I don't know if it's a million dollars, maybe now it's $10 million, because you only have one time to make a first impression. You go in with confidence. You practice, practice, practice. I was up at four o'clock this morning looking at these questions, practicing my answers. And as I said at the beginning of this damn thing, I could give this goddamn thing in a fucking coma. But the professionals, the people that you look up to, are the most prepared. Um, 
how to be like him making huge deals, how to be like me making huge deals and how to become extremely wealthy. Dream team, dream team. A lot of these questions get back to the dream team. Dream team, mentor. The whole system is based on picking somebody to be your mentor that is where you are, where you want to be, they are now where you want to be in some time future. That's the whole system. Um, in short, can improve, okay. The question is, it's a long, long business school question, but the bottom line is, in short, can improvising be as good as planning? The answer is yes. What makes my mentees good and what makes people that follow the QLA methodology, the mentees that I directly work with or the devotees that have been following it many, many years, is that they learn by example through the book and through all the free content on my website and more recently through the free ebook by example. And it's very similar to the case study method in the B school. How did so-and-so do it in this situation? And then connecting the dots with practice and with the help and assistance of your dream team and your mentor, you learn how to improvise. Um, <laughs> a long, long question again, but the bottom line is, in short, does one need a lifetime partner to achieve maximum success? I mean, just to give you an idea, the question's this long, but that's what he asked. Um, no, you don't need a lifetime partner. It helps. Uh, the, uh, I was fortunate I've had a lifetime partner, uh, and, but you don't, it's not absolutely necessary. Some of you need a lifetime partner more than others. By lifetime partner, I assume they mean husband, wife, you know, significant other, etc. It's not, it's not absolutely necessary, but uh, most of the successful people that you read about hear about uh, had um, lifetime partners. Um, we have said, you have said that you can't have a balanced life. Uh, how and when did you decide uh, that financial success was your highest priority? I never decided that financial success was my highest priority. My highest priority was to do what I felt in my heart, in my gut, and what I was passionate for. And that was, years ago, doing deals. Now my passion is getting you to do deals. So it's never been my highest priority. You know, money's not the only thing uh, in life, as I've, as I've said uh, somewhat jokingly, but it's the only thing anybody keeps track of. Since the, the pharaohs and pyramids, who had the biggest uh, pyramid, etc. cetera. Um, the, uh, it's what you, as an individual, wants out of life. I said on uh, Brian Rose's London Rio, uh, the difference between high performance people that have accumulated wealth and most of the rest of the planet is that we have more choices. We have more choices because we've accumulated money. If our mother gets Alzheimer's, if our sister gets sick, if our dad has a stroke, and I can go on and on and on, uh, you are able to help those people with your accumulated wealth and as I said also on London Real, Zen doesn't do that. Zen may give you inner peace, but it can't help for your dementia bill uh, for your mother at the hospital. You have said taking risks is critical to success. 
How do you gauge whatever the risk is worth taking to reckless? I've never looked at it as being reckless. Um, I don't necessarily take measured risks. I take risks that I feel, and I always feel confident that 100% of the time that I can accomplish the goal. I always. That's a big differentiation for me and most of the people that are probably uh, watching this because you listen to the naysayers. You listen to your, unfortunately, your lifetime partner. You listen to your son. You listen to your accountant. You listen to your lawyer, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I don't, I don't deem it as being reckless because I always believe that I'm gonna be successful. Now, I'd be less than honest, I'd be disingenuous if I told you I was always successful, because I'm not. I could write a book a lot bigger than your first 100 million on all the failures I've had, but nobody even talks about those. They talk about the things I did, like my first year in business, I did over $50 million in revenue with one employee, me. They talk about turning $60,000 into 50 million pounds in three and a half months. They talk about taking $820 and turning it into 400, about 440, 450 million, depending on the exchange rate that you look at. And they, look, they talk about a lot of things. And now, more recently, they talk about, in 20 years, me creating, through my mentees and through my devotees, over $50 billion in equity and in value. They don't talk about me losing uh, 20 some million dollars in one industry. They don't look at me spending 13 years uh, on another deal that never came to fruition. They don't, they don't talk about those things, even though I talk about them and I've talked about them at my seminar. Focus on getting the thing done and don't focus on the risks involved. Uh, how many uh, Dream Team members would you recommend somebody uh, have before you look for financing? To be more specific, do you see a problem interviewing lenders before having an accounting legal team uh, or legal representative? Yes. Big, you start with a mentor, hopefully chairman. Then you have three, four, five uh, board members. One in accounting, one in legal, meaning a transaction guy that's done deals one in your industry, um, and then you go to the accountants. Why do you go to the accountants and interview an accountant so you can get them on a success fee basis? And to answer a question that wasn't asked here, yes, I have people today around the world getting people to do stuff on success fee basis. Don't call it contingent, you dipshits. It's success fee basis. Everybody, all the big four accounting firms, as of just this morning when I read a weekly report from one of my mentees in Australia, they do stuff because they're willing to take risks because they realize they have to take risks to be able to build their own business. Then you go from the accountants to the lawyers. You go to the accountants first because they're slightly easier than interviewing the lawyers. And you go in for your interviewing, you're interviewing them, they're not interviewing you. Once you have your dream team, including your accountants and your lawyers and perhaps an industry specialist, then you go to the financial institutions, then. Um, how important is it to uh, know where the equity is coming from uh, in your acquisition and do you think seeking out real estate investors earning poor yields uh, for equity partners is a good idea? This would uh, they would receive shares in the company and better yield, blah, 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 okay. The real question is, do you need to know where the equity is coming from? No. Do you really know, need to know where the debt financing is coming from? No. 
You find the deal first. I used to have a guarantee in the 90s when I gave the uh, Raising Capital Seminar. I didn't really think that you needed a Raising Capital Seminar because I tell you about it in the book, but God lover uh, Deanne Verdeer, a mentee of mine and her, and her great husband, uh, George Verdeer, said, Dan, uh, I mean, you need to put out some, some uh, information uh, that really is just specific to Raising Capital. In fact, uh, we had some very famous people uh, attend that Raising Capital seminar, uh, seminars in the, back in the 90s, one of which is Joe Polish, who is uh, um, a very uh, famous marketing guy now. But I used to have a guarantee. Money back guarantee for the seminar. If you can't find the money in 12 calendar months from the time you leave the seminar, I will go and raise the money for you after six months or give you the money. But you had to follow the formula. And the formula is very simple. You make two independent financial presentations per week, only 50 weeks, they give you two weeks to rest. And if at the end of 26 weeks, 25, 26 weeks, you haven't gotten the money, that means you've made about 55 or so, 50, 55 uh, presentations. I'll go in and show you how to do it or do it for you. Well, I had that guarantee till I stopped giving the capital uh, uh, raising uh, seminar in uh, about 2000. Uh, from 95 to the early 2000s, and nobody ever went and asked to collect on that guarantee for a couple reasons. Number one, because they got the money. And number two, they didn't find it reasonable for their personality to make two presentations a week. And that's two presentations, separate presentations, to different financial institutions. I say at the seminar, till I'm blue in the face, any doofus watching this thing, or anybody that looks at all the free content I have on my site, and we've got tons of it, can finance your deal. But if you live in um, Deming, New Mexico, or Cleveland, Ohio, you're probably not gonna get a finance in Deming, New Mexico, or Cleveland, Ohio. You're gonna have to go outside you're gonna have to go outside your comfort zone. You're gonna have to cold call on financial institutions. Um, many successful tech startups start with uh, at least two founding members, Jobs, Wozniak, Gates, Allen, Hewlett, and Packard. Beyond passion for entrepreneurship, what would you look uh, for in a co-founder? Ethics, morals, Passion, that's what I look for. Uh, in one of your seminar clips, you discussed four types of leaders. Commanders, visionaries, executors, strategists. Everyone wants to be a visionary. You're a, I'm a commander, that's correct. Can you give concrete examples of where you'd put a strategist um, or what you have suggested to mentees, Hall of Famers, who fit the strategist uh, model or type. Can't. I can't think off the top of my head of a strategist, and I've looked at this several times, uh, I can't think of a strategist uh, that is in my Hall of Fame. Uh, most of them are visionaries and, 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 and probably split between visionaries and commanders. Um, When you're applying for a loan, to roll another loan 
from bank to bank, are you open uh, with the amount of debt you have? You're always, that means are you honest about it? The answer is yes. You're always tell the truth. Uh, do banks have uh, open information about how much uh, one actually owes and, uh, and confirms against? Yes, they have. In today's computer uh, world, they have access um, to, uh, and if, they, if you list bank A and you're going to bank B, most banks can just call the other bank, even though it's confidential information uh, on, a, on, a, on a confidential basis. They'll ask, uh, what do you think of this guy as, as a credit? And more importantly, they'll ask, why is he leaving bank A to come to bank B? Um, so how many deals to your credit? Uh, you've seen it all. You have many deals to your credit. You've seen it all. Um, what deals still excite you? What is it about them that make them stand out hot? Deals that are different. If you can't be, if you can't be first, you've got to be different in today's world. It's always been the same. And telecommunications and healthcare still are hot to me. I'm a baby boomer. I'll be 70 next year. I want to live longer. I take good care of myself. Uh, but a majority of the money we spent on healthcare is spent the last six months of our life. A majority of that majority is spent the last 90 to 120 days of our life. So healthcare is still hot. Health, uh, you know, uh, old age homes, etc. Telecommunications, which is now internet, is still hot as hell. Okay, every day, as we during the time that I've just been on here, 20, 30 minutes, people have already come up with new ideas for the internet. People have come up with new ideas for the handheld devices. It's the future. So I still believe strongly, as I told Rick Scott 30 years ago or so, that uh, healthcare and telecommunications are still hot. Uh, for cash flow lenders, what have uh, you seen as an average ratio uh, of EBITDA to uh, debt service typically required? Okay. I, I have a different ratio I look at, and uh, most financial institutions do the same. They look at free cash flow. That means cash flow that's unencumbered. That's cash flow that you can pay debt service down. And right now, it can be either like 1.1 to 1.3 times uh, your debt service. So that means your free cash flow has to be 1.1 to 1.3 on risky deals or deals that are not presented well to the financial institution, institutions. They may even want 1.5. I've seen deals come to me that the banks went two times uh, free cash flow. And as an aside, when a financial institution says no to you, it's because you didn't give them the right information to say yes. It's not the financial institution's fault. It's your fault. Be prepared. Go through the permutations. Practice, practice, practice. Can QLA work if you don't have a warrior mentality as exhibited in the movies like 300? That's an interesting question. The answer is yes, it can. But the closer you have to a war mentality, the better off you are. But that's what the dream team is for. That's what your mentor is for. That's why you build percept the perception of you being more successful than you already are through the dream team that is, and the accountants and the lawyers that have told you that they feel you're credible enough 
and your deal, by, by implication, your deal's credible enough for them to believe in you. But somebody on your dream team better have a warrior mentality. Uh, would you consider balls, or, would you, I've been asked this question a lot of times. Would you consider balls or brains assisted you in achieving what you did building Great Western from 800 bucks to four, over 400 million in only eight years? I'd say it was 50-50. That's a little cheekier, I'm being sarcastic in the 50-50. But uh, if you don't have courage, which I'm gonna talk about, there's another question on courage. If you don't have courage, uh, then, you know, to take the risk to follow your dream, you're gonna have a tough time. Um, do you think balls or brains have assisted your mentees and devotees in achieving 50 billion in equity? The answer is absolutely yes. But in the case of many of the devotees, uh, it's, it's important for me to d distinguish now. There's two ends of the leadership continuum. There's the my end, that's like General Patton, and there's the end like Henry Kissinger or Colin Powell, um, um, and most of the leaders in the world are at the more gentle end of the leadership continuum. And there's a few of us at the strong China in a bull shop end of the continuum. As I told in London Rio, I'm part General Patton, part Jack Welch, and part Freud. I use all those uh, uh, elements of, of those personalities to help you guys and gals succeed in achieving your goals. Um, but you don't have to be like me. If you only get to be three, four, five percent as good as I am in presentation skills, as good as I am uh, in, uh, in, in focus, uh, you'll be very successful. But to answer the question, yes, balls and brains uh, makes it easier if you, if, if you exhibit courage. Uh, what single ingredient led you to your success? No single ingredient led me to my success or anybody's success, but I'm passionate. For an example, here I gave my uh, first official podcast, not counting webinars I, that I've done, uh, to London Real, and it was released on the 20th of April. Uh, this will be released on Father's Day, and I'll talk about this as a tribute to my father in a few days. But in just six weeks, five or six weeks, I, just, I made a decision right after I did the London Reel. This is for me because I can reach a lot of people, especially with all the success that it, is, it has achieved. So I went out and did it. I didn't do a bunch of studies. I didn't do a spreadsheet. I just went out and damn did it. Um, so uh, my, what I credit my success is taking action. It's not always successful, but I take action. Uh, what single ingredient has led your de devotees and mentees to the success? Well, my mentee directly is my foot up their ass <laughs> uh, and pushing them and pushing them hard and making them accountable. And uh, since the new mentor system came into being in um, about this time in 2010, the success we've had is almost dwarfs the success that we had in the first uh, 15 or 16 years because we have a very copious weekly reporting system now, much more copious than it used to be. And we have the monthly uh, video uh, conference calls where I keep check uh, on your progress. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? <laughs> are you happy? Uh, are you uh, successful mentees happy? Well, I can only speak for myself. I can't speak for my mentees. But I've been rich and I've been poor. And uh, there's no comparison. 
and although some of you still question uh, whether I was poor, just look at my site on um, Facebook. Look at those pictures where I used to live as compared to uh, the picture of the castle with my wife Sally and I standing in front of those cars. Uh, and um, there's no comparison. And uh, the, it, it's hard to believe that I've been able to make this uh, jump uh, in a generation. Actually, I made it a lot less than a generation. I only made it in uh, six or seven, eight years. But now I've been doing this coaching uh, uh, 20 years. As for my mentees, are they happy? I've known some of them when they were poor and I know some of them now when they're wealthy. And even though I can't speak for them, I'd say that they are happy. Um, do higher goals lead to more and better choices? Higher goals, achieving higher goals, leads you to more choices. Um, are they better choices? That's up to the individual. I can't answer that. I know I've made some mistakes since I've made money, uh, but that, I'm human. Contrary to what you uh, might think, I do have blood running through my veins, uh, and I'm human. I make mistakes. I don't make as many as you do, and the, the, the key to having someone as experienced as I am on your board or as your mentor, and they don't really have to be as experienced as I am, is they keep you from making doofus mistakes. We'll still make mistakes, but just less of them. Should I attend the castle? Oh, this is. Should I attend the castle with my wife, husband, or partner? Um, the answer is yes, you should, because you're going to come away. It's going to be a life-changing experience, and the more information your partner, uh, significant other has, or your business partner has, uh, the better. In fact, we have a very successful young guy who uh, attended the castle in January. He's coming back with his business partner, uh, excuse me, in April, attended in April. He's coming back with his business partner um, in uh, August. Uh, and uh, I told him he should have attended uh, with his business partner in April, but uh, they had other business commitments, so now they're coming back, both of them again. Um, are you ever ready to attend the castle? No, you're never ready. It's a, it goes along where it's analogous. Are you ever ready to make a hard decision? Is it ever a good time to make a hard decision? It's like when people ask me, is this a good time? I tell them, fuck off. No, it's not a good time, but ask me anyway. You're never ready to jump out of your comfort zone. A few months ago, I bungee jumped for the first time in my life in Australia. I went there, it's on my picture, and it shows the, where I used to live in the barrio, the castle picture, and then there's a, down in the left-hand corner, there's me picture jumping, uh, bungee jumping. When my wife and I were in New Zealand, I didn't even know that they, this was where bungee jump being started. Uh, and I'm walking down the street, and I look up at the signs, and there's places you can buy it, buy an experience, that experience. And I ask my wife, is this here? And she goes, look, she, and she points up on the mountaintop. It's over there. And I said, I got to do this. I got to do this. So I went and signed up. And at my age, I ask a lot of questions. You've got to check all these blocks. And I'm an extremely honest guy, but I fudge my answers because most of the things, I have an artificial shoulder, titanium shoulder. I have, a, I have an artificial hip. I mean, I've got broken bones. I've got all kinds of stuff. Uh, but I said that all these things were okay. But what I didn't, I didn't have is I didn't have high blood pressure or a bad heart. So I jumped, and the next day, it was very windy. And there were a lot of young kids, very much like you probably watching this, they're all talking about jumping. Oh, I'm gonna jump, dude. Let's do it. Well, 
in the whole damn day, I'm the only guy that jumped. Because they were all fucking talking about it. Talks fucking cheap. Take action. Because I, I tried to push the envelope, and I hadn't pushed the envelope on me physically in a long, long time. So I went and did that. But I didn't understand or even plan the metaphor quantum leap, bungee jump. As it turned out, it's worked out perfectly. So continue to take risks. Continue to take, push yourself outside your comfort zone because you're never going to be ready to come to the castle. Because I guarantee you, or as I tell the kids, I fucking guarantee you, I'm going to beat you like a fucking rented mule. I will push you out of your comfort zone so hard that you'll, 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 you'll question to God himself, Allah or Buddha, why the fuck I'm here. But at the end of the week, you're going to be a lean, mean fighting machine. And we're going to talk more about that because there's some questions about that. Um, when, you, um, when you're the problem, this is a good question. When you're the problem or actually personify the problem, how do you become part of the solution? Well, as I've, as I've read or written uh, in my recent ebook and in, in the book, Your First Hundred Million, uh, the good news is you're the problem. The bad news is you're the problem. But many of you personify the problem by hanging around with people that aren't bolstering you to fulfill your goals. So how do you, uh, how do you overcome that? Well, you overcome that because changing the five people that you spend most of the time with. That's how you change it. You change it through the dream team. You change it through the mentor. Um, when did you know you would be successful or super successful? Um, I didn't know there was no crystal moment, but my aha experience or my uh, epiphany, or whatever you want to call it, the day I was commissioned in July 1967, the second lieutenant in the United States Army, that I went through uh, six months of rigorous training, and in those days it was a lot harder than it is now. They actually beat you. They, you know, when, you, when you got captured, they, 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 they put battery wires to your testicles, and they did all kinds of crazy shit. You can't get away with them now. But um, that was after the four months of regular infantry training. I went through infantry OCS, arguably the hardest OCS, where we had ranger training, and we had a lot of training, survival training. That was the first high-performance thing I did. I was still 21. I knew the rest would be easy, because I went into the military as a 20-year-old, kind of soft, wasn't good at athletics, uh, and uh, whereas my dad was uh, you know, uh, an all-American type in gymnastics. Um, and I knew, and I went back to school, which I had already flunked out of school, university three times, I went back to school and the rest is history. So I knew, and I finished four years of college in two and a half years, I knew that that was the beginning. Then, when I wasn't gonna be super successful, well, I believe that probably uh, turning um, uh, $60,000 into 50 million pounds, which is about 100 million bucks, um, uh, led me to believe that I was going to be super successful and I was still in my 30s. Uh, is, it, is it really important to be born poor? I certainly was. Um, but and Andrew Carnegie says, you know, the greatest gift uh, somebody can be given is to be born into poverty. 
Um, but QLA works if you have no money. But if you have money, QLA works even better. QLA works even if you're not so smart. QLA works even better if you're bright. So if you're bright and you have money, QLA is not a shoe-in, but it's significantly easier. It doesn't make it easy. What is my biggest regret? Well, I have two big, biggest regrets. One, uh, I'm an infantry trained, combat infantry trained military officer that never saw combat. Uh, I don't see uh, a Navy SEAL movie or an Army movie or a war movie that I don't think ever. I, I think of it weekly, if not daily. I was trained to be lead man in combat and I never did. I think I would have been a great combat officer, uh, but um, that's not how the cards were for me. They sent me to serve with NATO when I got out of uh, my uh, officer training school. Uh, but I also feel uh, remorse and guilt about a lot of the guys that I went through my training with didn't make it back from Vietnam. Another big regret that I have is uh, that uh, I, I didn't treat my mom as well as I should have uh, when she was dying. I didn't think she was dying. I always took a positive attitude and I said, Mom, you're not sick, damn it. And 36 hours later, she passed away on Christmas Eve. Uh, another regret I have is that I didn't start the formalized mentor program for you doofuses early enough. I've always had the mentor program <coughs> dating back to 1993. But I don't know why I didn't, but I kept on looking for better results, better results, better results. And I, I realized looking at the stats that the people that I spent the most time with i.e. that I had hands-on, did the best. So I formalized it in 2010, April of 2010, and the rest is history. It's fucking dynamite. And I only wish that I had thought of it before. But guys, I didn't. But I'm, I'm gonna be 70 next year, and I've still got a lot left in me, in case you hadn't noticed. Uh, so I plan on doing this for a while. Uh, do you re recommend that high performers use standing desks to work from instead of um, sitting ones? The answer is yes. One of my uh, star mentees, uh, who was a world-class skier, he was on the uh, Austrian ski team, which is arguably the best ski team in the world, I turned him on to standing desks uh, because you have to think sharper. Uh, it's good for your core, it's good for your balance, it's good for a lot of other stuff. I learned it from a guy named Bill Grosskruger, who used to be the, um, I believe, the CEO of E.F. Hutton, you know, 40 years ago. Uh, and he had standing desks. A lot of people use standing desks. Uh, and the first few weeks, your back hurts, your feet hurt, etc. But you'll get a lot more accomplished, believe me. Uh, how do you stay focused uh, on uh, your long-term goals when life tries to either throw me and uh, throw you into the dwelling um, on my short-term misery or overcoming my short-term wins? First of all, in conjunction with this, you don't make long, uh, short-term solutions for long-term problems, and it's very easy. You run out of cash. You can't, you know, pay for your kid's tuition. You can't um, uh, make your mortgage payment. Your wife wants to go on a holiday, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, it's very easy to fall into the uh, conundrum of feeling sorry for yourself. I don't suffer from that. Now, you might also think for a moment, you know, the human being, homo sapien, is the only thing that feels sorry for themselves, okay. 
Animals, birds, dogs, horses will run till they drop dead. Not human beings. Okay. Dream team, mentor, again. You're surrounding yourself with high performance people. High performance people don't feel sorry for themselves. Or if they do, it's only short term, extremely short term. They go to sleep, they get a good night's sleep, they come back, and they're great. That's how you overcome it. Um, why is your war, oh, why if you're a war correspondent, it's considered okay, a part, a part of the job to miss birthdays, anniversaries, and Christmas, but not in business. Okay, what this question is really saying is why conventional wisdom say Christmases, birthdays, anniversaries, etc., are important, and they are important. I'm happily married, uh, etc. Uh, I, uh, I, I do my very best to remember the important days like Valentine's Day. But if there's a goddamn deal, you can bet your sweet ass I'll be on the deal rather than Valentine's Day or our anniversary. But if you're a war correspondent, guess what? Nobody complains that um, they're missing birthdays. Conventional wisdom has turned everything upside down. And um, uh, I have never suffered from believing that much in conventional wisdom. And conventional wisdom isn't wisdom, it's only conventional. Um, would you not have been better off having QLA, I already said this, a nonprofit considering all the pro bono work? About 30, 35% of my time now is pro bono. Um, my wife and I support uh, orphanages. In fact, uh, in, uh, after the Castle Seminar in August, Sally and I are going to Sri Lanka to visit uh, one of my mentees, Sister Luce Marie, who is Sister Superior here at one of the orphanages we support, who's just been transferred uh, to Sri Lanka. We're gonna go visit her out in the jungle. Uh, and um, the, uh, but 30% of my time or more because I'm mentoring you guys and I don't get paid for this. It sounds self-serving, but I don't get paid for this year mentor program. I'm doing it and I don't sell product. Uh, you can have everything I have for free. Uh, and what's not on my site, go to Torrent. And if I had known about Torrent in 2009, I would not have published your first 100 million second edition. I would have given it away for free. I didn't know about Torrent then, although they tell me now, uh, the gurus, the net gurus, tell me the Torrent's been around a long time. As, as evidenced by, I just published on my site, in Romania, your first 100 million. Father George, who's a Orthodox priest, Greek Orthodox priest, from Romania, and his lovely wife, Christine, worked on it for about a year, a year and a half, and we just published it for free on my site because I have a lot of devotees in Romania that would never afford, uh, uh, be able to afford a couple hundred bucks for my book. So I gave it to him. Whereas, you know, uh, again, it sounds self-serving, I don't see any of the other guys uh, giving away stuff, but I'm here to get you across the goal line. Now, how I get you across the goal line, you may not like. Because I'll beat you, kick you, slap you. And in the old days, in the 90s, I fucking did slap you. I did knock you down. But now I'm a kinder, gentler man. I can't do that. You know, I, you know I'm not afraid of lawsuits. Uh, but I am afraid that maybe I don't you know, want to break anybody's jaw. 
anymore. Um, Mr. Pena, as you consider leadership to be a top trait that is worth developing, what are the three ways of behavior, of habits, you can think of the most effectively and rapidly developed leadership? Uh, also, any relevant affirmations along those lines? Uh, okay, it's a long question, it's another business question, and I should have realized this is the son of the finance minister of Romania, who is a castle uh, uh, attendee from, I believe, September, and a, a mentee that I'm working with. Dream team, mentor. Uh, that's how you develop your leadership skills. Now, I'm gonna talk about the books that I would recommend reading later on. There's only four or five of them. Uh, and I know a lot of you spend time reading books. Well, I, I'm not trying to rain on anybody's parade, but you spend time reading books rather than taking action. That's the bottom line. Okay. You can probably count the books that I've read, not counting university books or graduate school books. Maybe 20 or 30 books my whole life. Now, I've read some of these books many times. Like Think and Grow Rich, I've read many times. Release Your Breaks, which we'll talk about later by my mentor, Jim Newman, many times. Um, the, uh, but you develop leadership skills by being around people that have leadership skills. You don't develop leadership skills by hanging around doofuses that have no goals, by hanging around people that haven't accomplished anything in life. Communication skills are part of leadership skills. And your communication skills are developed by communicating, not necessarily effectively in the beginning, but communicating and practice, practice, practice. Mr. Pena, in pre-negotiation preparation or during negotiations, are there any techniques, tools, or questions that you use to flesh out um, the other side's exact needs and wants so that you can maximally squeeze them. No. Do you remember, for example, Mr. Whipple, a long-time partner of mine, great mentee, advice to first find out uh, if they want to grow or have a stable income or just exit and then sell them on uh, that. Okay. People are exiting for different reasons. They're exiting because they want to retire. They're exiting because the business doesn't work anymore. They're exiting because they're tired. Uh, they're exiting because it's not part of their strategic plan anymore. They're exiting because that particular asset is so gr uh, grossly overvalued that it's time to get out and use that capital uh, 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 in another way. Whatever the reason, you flush that out first. And you do that during the interviewing process, way before you make any offers. And then you structure your offer towards those ends. Again, you find out what they want, and then you make the best deal, not the best deal, but at that end of the continuum, and then you work, as they negotiate, closer to their uh, desires. Uh, also in relation to negotiation, how would you go about making the other side accountants, lawyers, part of the transaction? Well, you make a part of the transaction, this is the other side he's talking about, if they are on a successful basis 
And the best thing about success fee basis is, is everybody wants to get the deal done, otherwise they don't get paid. How would you address a typical deal killing question uh, that come up um, from um, the uh, representatives, either the accountants or the lawyers uh, of the, the company you're trying to acquire? Um, like, don't sell your business to this guy because if you don't sell in five years' time, you'll have the money that he is offering you and you'll still have your business. Meaning, if you're trying to buy it on a stage method, you buy pay a quarter down, a quarter in one year, a quarter in two years, et cetera, et cetera, that you're buying it out of cash flow. Well, it's a damn good question, and it, and it can be a deal killer. But if you have pre-qualified the guy, you know the guy wants to be out, and he's only maybe gonna have to stick around for six or 12 months as part of the buyout uh, stipulation that you're gonna uh, make him adhere to, so, true, if he's stuck around, stuck around five years, but that means he's gonna have to work five years. And that means he's gonna have to uh, be uh, um, uh, subject to the uh, fluctuations of the market. And you know, the market may go up or may go down, but if the deal's structured right on his part, he's gonna get paid anyway. And if the deal's structured on your part, you want him out as quickly as possible. So the bottom line is, if you've qualified him, or her or them properly, that shouldn't be a problem because you've already structured the purchase around what their needs are. Um, Mr. Pena, what changes uh, have you seen as being noteworthy to bring people's attention regarding um, raising capital and finance, financing deals and startups that have changed since 2008? Not really that, that much. I know that the people talk about it, but money is tighter. There's no question about that. Uh, and money is tighter for small deals. There's no question about that. But the, the bottom line is, when I started um, uh, this methodology, you know, 30 years ago, money was tight, but you just had to make a lot of presentations. And we're, we're you know, we're, we're back to that. Um, some people think that we're in the top of a bubble in high tech. I don't know if that's true or not. We'll only know in hindsight. Uh, looking back at it in retrospect, but the bottom line is it's still capable and I have people doing it, you know, every week. You just have to be uh, uh, more prepared for the presentation, you have to give more presentations, but it's still possible. Since money is a universal measure of success, do you, the $50 billion man, have a specific financial objective that you'd like to inspire and achieve to in your lifetime? No, not in that respect. Um, when I realized that I turned $800 into $450 million, you know, 30 years ago, not 30 years ago, 20 years, some years ago, um, I realized I knew how to do it. You know, uh, 55 million percent, I think, is what the, uh, the rate is, turning 800 bucks into, a million. Um, and fortunately for me, I was thrown out by my shareholders. Uh, and it's a whole other story. Uh, when uh, Iraq uh, was invaded uh, by, Co uh, Kuwait was invaded by Iraq, who were our biggest shareholders. But, and I, and I found my, uh, the real reason I think that I was put on, on, on the planet, to help guys like you. But I wanna turn this 50 billion that we've uh, achieved in the last 20 years into 100 billion or as much as I can in, in the next several years. Uh, and uh, although 
as I've told, I've only got a couple hundred million dollars of that 50 billion that has anything to do with internet. Um, and so I haven't had a, a Facebook or anything like that yet, but I fully, fully expect to. You know, I've got some mentees running around the planet right now that are involved in some pretty dynamic stuff that could have some geometric results. I've got a mentee uh, right now that, uh, it's just early days, but has been offered uh, 20 million bucks for 5% of their company, I believe it is. Um, and the company's only four years old. Um, and that's in the internet space. So, the, um, but I have no goals. That my goals are to get you more successful. My goals are to pull more of you kicking and screaming across the goal line. Uh, but the, the, the next uh, big number I have in, in sight is uh, 100 billion uh, created in equity and value through my mentees and devotees. Uh, Dan, why would you continue to meet why would you continue to meet for free on, on your worldwide trips with so many when you're so busy and when you already give uh, QLA product away free anyway? Well, this last trip I just came back uh, from uh, where I was in uh, Orlando, New Orleans, uh, and uh, Toronto. I didn't meet with any mentees in New Orleans. That was more or less a holiday. Uh, yes, I do uh, from time to time. Uh, on, uh, actually a lot now. Uh, my wife and I take a lot of cruises. We take three or four cruises a year. But in New Orleans, uh, although we were on the internet, four, five, six hours a day. Uh, in Orlando, I met mentee, uh, devotees, mentees. And uh, surprisingly enough, you Canadians, I had uh, seven or eight meetings in Canada uh, with uh, new people and uh, some existing mentees. Uh, and I do that for a couple of reasons. Number one, it gives me an idea uh, of what you guys are thinking of. It allows me to keep my thumb on the pulse of the rest of the world. Uh, and I had a guy drive from Indiana eight or nine hours to come up and see me in Toronto. Uh, now he has already signed up in, uh, for the Castle Seminar in August, but he wanted to come and spend 90 minutes with me and talk to me. He's a guy in his mid-40s successful guy. Uh, I had a guy flying from the Congo uh, to meet with me in, uh, in Toronto. Uh, I had, uh, I had uh, several other guys. I had uh, an Israeli kid. He didn't fly in from Israel because he lives in Canada. But I had a number, a, a number of uh, young people. And by the way, I call you all kids because to me you are kids. I'll be 70 next year. I'm old enough to be at least your father, if not your grandfather. So I don't mean that in a demeaning way. But that's why I do it. Plus, I still enjoy it. I need to give a podcast to you guys like I need fucking AIDS. You know what I mean? I'm doing this for shit, for free. But I enjoy it. I enjoy it. And I enjoy more, and I've been saying this for 15 or so years, I enjoy more seeing you accomplish what you wouldn't even think possible. Most people, not most, everybody that attends the Castle Seminar, any, anybody that reads the book, adds one or two or three zeros onto their goals for monetary goals. Um, true, you have little time, oh, is it true that you have little time for people that pretend to be interested in being a QLA high performer but are not willing to make the sacrifice? 
A fucking man. Yes, do. Yes, I do. I have little time. <clears throat> Talk's cheap. But the corollary to that is if I see that you're willing to make the sacrifices, I've never given up on a, on a mentee devotee in 21 years. Never. I never walk away. I've had a few walk away from me for various reasons, you know, uh, but I've never, I've never walked away from anybody. And uh, contrary to what you might think, I still mentor people that attended my first seminars in 93, 94. Um, and it's more an informal thing because many of them are already successful. Uh, but they still call on me when they, you know, they have some important decisions to make. You refer a lot of deals uh, as doofus deals. What factors are you looking for in general? Uh, high gross margins, leverageable assets, owner financing, all. I tell you, I like high margin, big margin businesses. I like businesses that have 20, 30, 40% margins. There's, there's still a number of them around. Why do I like big margin businesses, kids? Because you can't fucking manage. People that are in the retail business, it's tough when you're operating on a one, two percent margin. I like big margin businesses. Um, uh, not only big margins, but I want leverageable assets. So you can borrow against the assets. And I believe in owner financing, meaning the seller of the business is taking back the paper, which normally can uh, represent or replace the equity portion of a deal. So the, I like all of those. How do you discover deals in a particular industry, uh, say telecom? How do you discover? <clears throat> you go where the money is, okay? You go with what's, you know, uh, uh, telecoms in general is where the money is. But you look for something that you feel comfortable, not comfortable, that you can be passionate about. You don't follow the herd, that's not what I mean. Um, on intimidation, what would you do when someone makes you uh, wait in a reception for hours? I'd leave. Although when I was in Israel many, many years ago, they kept me waiting 10 days, uh, the Israeli government, to see, I don't know if I was really uh, uh, worth uh, pre presenting to them. And the highlight of that trip is I met Mark Spitz, uh, who I didn't even know was Jewish at the time. And, uh, the, uh, and I signed a deal. I signed a... $60 million uh, exploration deal with the Israeli government. They were putting up $60 million and I was putting up $60 million. But in general, I would leave, because it's a sign of disrespect. Um, what, how did Lucinda Burke's collateral come from $7 million deal if she wasn't wealthy? She overfinanced it. She uh, had more than one financing institution. Uh, she had one financing institution for debt, and she had one financing institution for equity. Uh, what lessons did you learn from Fire Resources? Uh, that was a deal I stayed too long, uh, and uh, my ego got involved, which I have a pretty big ego, but I wouldn't let it loose, and um, the, uh, it taught me a good lesson. And at home in the office, I have the Fire Resource logo hanging near my office, so I can never forget it. Uh, is it true your strength is taking responsibility and moving on? Absolutely, it's one of my main strengths. I take responsibility, I say, I fucked up, I did it wrong, let's move on. How do you help keep your students on track, keeping up with the habits of uh, doing it over and over again, the good habits of doing it over and over again uh, after they leave the castle seminar? 
Well, since April of 2010, I get them to keep uh, uh, their, their good habits by the weekly reports, and I can see if they're offline, and I, I jump on them, and uh, or the monthly conference calls, because I'm looking at them, when I, I use Zoom most of the time, I'm looking at the pictures across the TV screen, and I can tell just from their eyes if they're upbeat, they're downbeat, etc. cetera. Uh, but Jim Ryan told me uh, many, many years ago, uh, motivation keeps you going, Dan, uh, good habits keep you going. Or motivation gets you started, motivation keeps you going. And he was the greatest miler uh, of all time that never won a gold medal at the Olympics. He fell down in the 68 Olympics uh, in uh, Mexico City, as I recall. And he went on to be a congressman, I believe, in Kansas. He's a nice man. I think he's still alive. Uh, is courage a necessary substance of successful uh, biz life? Why do people talk about it but don't really have it? They, they, well, people talk about a lot of things uh, in the success uh, personal development industry, but uh, courage is a necessary thing, and it's not a necessary evil. But part of what helps you have courage or sustain courage is your dream team. Now, you, I've answered seven or eight or nine questions coming back, dream team, mentor, mentor, dream team. If you haven't gotten it through your, your skulls now, I mean, a lot of you have read the materials for years. Uh, a lot of you uh, continue to read it. About 45% uh, uh, of the people that come to my site uh, are repeat, okay? And about, uh, we have um, about, I don't know, 50 people a month that spend, uh, you know, hours on the site, hours learning it. I mean, we have 108 or 109 newsletters. We have um, a tremendous amount of material. Uh, when I talk about what to read, we've got the ebook. Uh, we, you know, we, we've got a lot of stuff, and uh, you should avail yourself of it. Um, what uh, is your greatest strength? Well. My greatest strength is my passion and my drive. The next question is, what is your greatest weakness? Well, my passion and my drive. Uh, it's a two-edged sword. And as I've gotten older, I've been able to fine-tune it better. But when I was you know, 30, 35, 40, 45 years old, it was, it was very difficult for me to differentiate. I mean, I'm always passionate. I'm always in a hurry. I always want to get things done yesterday. Uh, like I got up this morning, you know, for or four or five, whenever I got up, um, to prepare for this. And when, for those of you that follow me on Twitter, and I would recommend that you all follow me on Twitter, then you all follow me. I don't know about Facebook, but Twitter and LinkedIn, because I put some pithy comments down, but as you can see during the seminar time, I relate many of the things that I'm thinking about uh, uh, for the seminar. I also post some of the slides. But I get up, you know, for every hour I spend in the seminar, which is about 50 to 60, depending on the seminar, in the seminar, I spent at least an hour practicing uh, and uh, updating. Uh, and I also read your files, so I've got those days I'm spending for the seminar are 15, 16, 17 hour days, because then I have private time with you describing you know, what you need, how I can help, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I'm, uh, my passion and my drive are both my strength and my biggest weakness. Uh, 
What was the best advice you ever got? What was the best advice you ever gave? I've said this before. Just fucking do it was the best advice I ever got. And the best advice I ever gave was just fucking do it. Don't spreadsheet it to death. Uh, what would you recommend we read? Uh, here we go. Uh, this is, you know, I told you I probably only read 30 books, maybe. Some of them many, many times. But what I would read is your first 100 million. And I'm going to lean forward into the camera, which screws up the sight. And uh, it looks like a Bible because I'm telling you what the Lord knows here. And you can get it on torrent. Uh, second, I would read in conjunction with that the new $50 billion ebook. The first hundred million dwells on the success stories and the steps. The ebook, which is 20,000 words, talks about the mistakes that were made by my mentees and a few by myself. So to read them in conjunction with one, one another. You, it doesn't matter, you can read the ebook first and then the book or the book and the ebook. But you can both get them for free now. So, but those are, those are two that I read. The next book that I would read, and I've read many times, my mentor wrote it, Release Your Breaks. Jim Newman, who's the father of uh, the terminology comfort zone. Uh, he came out of IBM, I believe, with Ross Perot uh, back in the 60s. I don't believe, I know he came out of IBM. Um, the next book I would read, and that is like a Bible, is Think and Grow Rich. Uh, and uh, I read Think and Grow Rich back in the middle 70s. Then I reread it in the uh, late 80s. And I reread it again in the 2005 6 area. And I read it in between. And it's funny, every time I've read it, I've underlined different things because different things jump out at me, and different things mean, uh, are more important. Then uh, another book I'd read is Winning Through Intimidation now by Ringer. Now I know it's a 21st century and he wrote it I believe in the 70s, but read it because it still works, but remember it's a 21st century. So some of the things he said uh, have to be altered slightly. And I like Michael Gerber's book, The E-Myth. Uh, I know he's written a couple, three books after that, but I like the original book because it talks about you get caught up with the day-to-day -day bullshit instead of working on your business, you're working in your business. And it's very applicable. I mean, I fall uh, uh, to that syndrome myself from time to time. And it's very uh, easy to do. Uh, that's what I read. There's a lot of other great books by a lot of guys that, you know, that have helped a lot of people. But if you want to break it down to the fewest books humanly possible, you read those books and, um, and you'll be fine. Uh, do you say people are normally taught about ego? Oh, do you say people are normally taught about ego management, but instead should be taught about ego enhancement? <clears throat> a lot of people have, um, have uh, criticized a lot of high performance people because of their ego. Uh, if you saw Steve Ballmer recently left uh, Microsoft and he gave a speech, which I would recommend uh, that you look on YouTube at uh, Oxford. Uh, and this is a very <clears throat> high performance guy. He's a guy that's boisterous, loud. Uh, he normally swears a lot. He didn't swear at Oxford. Uh, and he's got a big ego. I'm a guy that tells you don't worry about your ego management. I want you to be concerned about your ego enhancement. I want you to be, feel good about yourself. I want people to think and it's a fine edge 
sword. I don't want you to be cocky, but I want you to be self-assured. I don't want you to be arrogant, but I want you to uh, feel good about any situation that you're in. Um, somebody found, uh, I wrote this a while ago, I'm surprised that anybody found this. What do you teach about being nice? When I tell people that work here, and some of my staff are sitting here listening uh, as I'm uh, giving this talk, um, I don't want them to think this is a nice environment to work in. I want them to think it's a fair and learning environment to work in. And I want to tell you what nice used to mean when it was first used as a word back in the 14th century. Origin of nice, it means, it's from the Middle English. It means foolish, wanted. From Anglo-French, it means sim silly, simple. From the Latin, nicias, it means ignorant. And from nisir, it means not to know. Now, I like that definition of nice from the 14th century. Now, it has been anglicized and changed over the years, but I don't want to, although I, 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 I fall into the syndrome myself, I call it, he's a nice gal or he's a nice guy. But I want him to be a high performance guy, and not all high performance people are nice. And I, I, I'm not saying anything about uh, Mr. Gates or Balmer or Trump or God rest his soul, Steve Jobs, but none of those guys, to the best of my knowledge, were uh, the first word that you come to, comes to mind is that they were nice. Uh, hey Dan, uh, has seen your, uh, have any of your students ever made any money in your system? What the fuck, is this guy an idiot? You know, I, I, a few, I, I put this in as an idiot question. Look at the fucking website, moron. 21 years, 50 plus billion dollars. Do your fucking homework, jackass. One of the biggest, my pet peeves, and that's why I don't allow people to, to do stupid things around me, is when they don't come prepared. Look at the fucking website, you moron. Okay. Um, somebody said, Pen, my pennyisms. Could you send me a list of them? Um, I need uh, phrases to uh, repeat for myself throughout the day. They're on my website. I think they're under articles, but the penisms, there's about 95 of them. Uh, not, not, there's only about 20, 25 listed. Penisms, uh, and they're, uh, along with five credos for success, etc., are on my website. Uh, a lot of my better students uh, put them on the mirror so that when they put their makeup on or when they're shaving, or on the refrigerator, et cetera, et cetera. By the way, QLA is also good for losing weight, getting in condition, et cetera. I've got two or three uh, mentees that have lost 80, 100, 160, 180 pounds with QLA. Now, I myself have lost 70 pounds in the last several years. Just for uh, your own edification, I'm about, I used to be about six foot, a half an inch. I'm now about six foot, an eighth of an inch because I've shrunk three eighths of an inch in my old age. Uh, and I weigh uh, about 210, I go from 210 to 212. I weigh exactly what I weighed as a 10th grader in high school. But I used to be a big weightlifter, and I'm all busted up, uh, um, torn rotator cuffs, titanium shoulder, etc. So I had to stop lifting heavy weights, and so I decided to lose a lot of weight uh, because it was gonna turn to fat from muscle. So, uh, and I used the QLA to do it. And I did it not such a long time. Um, 
Well, banks typically lend 100% for an M&A um, deal. I would imagine that they would uh, want some uh, skin in the game, at least uh, in the first deal or two, until you build some credibility. The, you can get deals financed 100%, but normally not from the same institution. And they have such thing as bridge financing. But that's why QLA teaches you in the book, Your First 100 Million, teaches you that you want owner financing to be part of it. So you can have three parts of finance. You can have your debt finance, you can have a, a separate equity portion to the finance, and you can have where the owner takes back paper, so there can be three parts to the financing, and it's not unusual. What's your experience been with uh, people you've worked with getting corrupted uh, by power, the gain or uh, wheel? Do you consider corruptibility of a person an inherent characteristic or something that can be trained either through power or will uh, uh, or life philosophy? No, my experience is just the opposite. People that get very successful and very wealthy, now this is the majority, this isn't everybody, get more generous. I'm considered a very generous guy, okay? From giving tips, uh, at restaurants or to uh, doormen or to uh, people that bring your suitcases in and out of the hotels uh, to deals. I'm generous. Uh, part of the reason that I'm generous, and I know a lot of other people that are wealthy or generous, Donald Trump has got a reputation of being a hard-ass businessman, but he's a generous guy. There's a lot of stories that no, people don't know about where he's done some really nice things uh, for people with his wealth. Uh, but I started working when I was 11 or 12 years old. Uh, I actually had uh, two jobs when I was 15, 16. One job was parking cars and I wasn't 16 years old. And I worked for tips at a very famous restaurant, uh, that was, I didn't live near, but it was called the Rams Horn. It was owned by one of the Los Angeles Rams guys in the rich part of town. And some people that you parked their car that were famous movie stars didn't give you anything. Some give you quarters. A big tip back in 1961, 62 was a buck. Occasionally, some high roller would come out of the, the restaurant drunk and give you five bucks. And you thought that uh, all your birthdays came at once. But at the same time, when I turned 16, I got a job as a box boy. That's a guy that puts groceries in bags for Bonds Market. Uh, and I was uh, just recently, uh, about a year or a year and a half ago, I was looking at my, my Social Security records. And the first paycheck I got in August of two, 1961, I was 16 years old, was for $241, that's before taxes. Now I was making about $1.05 an hour, as I recall. So that means I worked about 240 hours in a month, which is about, uh, 60, about 60 hours a week as a 16-year-old. At the same time, I was parking cars. That was, a, I, you, could, you didn't have to go find somebody to, to, uh, to, to work overtime. I mean, I was the guy. I was on standing call. Uh, when I went off to university, it's part of the reason I, I flunked out the first time, is that I had a 60-hour work, 60-hour-a-week uh, job as a freshman, uh, working the night swing shift, uh, which, uh, plus I was screwing around too much. Uh, but I've always had a, a big work ethic. We're going to talk about work ethic uh, uh, in the close, uh, reference my father. Um, what's your experience like the people who have worked with getting, oh no. So you don't get corrupt. Dan, a famous businessman said, if there is a secret to success, then it's high self-esteem. 
Most people suffer from low self-esteem. How do you, how do, how do those people raise their self-esteem in order to give themselves a chance to fulfilling their dreams and goals? Is reaching high goals, uh, or is it reaching high goals, or something else? The more self-esteem that you attain, the more that you'll be able to give out. But it gets back to mentor, dream team. Mentor, dream team. I don't know how many times I have to say it. You get around high-performance people, they think differently, they talk differently. There's a great section in my uh, ebook about uh, Sally and I being in Australia uh, a few months ago, and I talk about a dinner that we're sitting at. We were in... Uh, I forget where the big uh, uh, mountain looks like a big salt dome in the middle of the desert. I can't think of the name of it right now. And there were two couples. There was a couple in their late 40s, maybe early 50s, and there was a couple in their late 20s, early 30s. And they were both talking about how many days off they had, how many um, sick days they could take, and how unfair the work uh, um, uh, rules in America were vis-a-vis -vis the work rules in Australia. And I just sat and listened, and I couldn't, stand, I couldn't believe myself. Sally said, please don't get involved, please don't get involved. But they were worried about all the wrong things. And I guarantee that the three kids of the, the Australian couple that were there are listening to this, and when they grow up, they're gonna be talking about the same things. Now, I, I tell the story, and it's not a story, when my dad retired from the Los Angeles Police Department after 28 years, he had about uh, 650 or 700 days of accumulated sick leave, vacation pay, etc., that he had not taken. So the last almost two years of his career at the Los Angeles Police Department, uh, he got paid a big check when he left. He actually took some time off and he got a check because he hadn't taken those days off. When I tell people that, that in 28 years he had almost 700 days accumulated leave, people look at me like I'm crazy. In this country, in the United States, in the UK, I mean, nobody will let a goddamn uh, sick day go by. They want all their vacation time. And people wonder why I work so hard. Well, this is what I saw, and this is what my kid brothers saw my dad do. And my, 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 uh, younger, my kid brother, uh, is, you know, I've got 30 plus years on the Los Angeles County Fire Department and he's a uh, assistant fire chief, one of the biggest jobs, of the, one of the biggest fire departments um, uh, on the planet. And he's got the same work ethic as my dad did. And, you know, and uh, I, I thank him for that. And that's part of the reason I have the great work ethic I have. Uh, I also have a great work ethic because of the, my military experience. Uh, in the military, you're embarrassed. I had gangrene in my left hand and I was afraid to go to the, the, the doctors while I was in the army, in boot camp. Gang fucking green. They're gonna amputate my fucking hand. Now, you got diarrhea, you don't go to work. Now, you get a fucking migraine, you don't go to work. <coughs> uh, what differentiates um, a person that has a net worth from one million to 50 million as opposed to one billion? It's, is it just dreaming bigger? Yeah. I, I, I tell the story, it's not a story, that the people, the Gates, the Jobs, and those guys, and gals, they dream bigger. That's the differentiation. You know, I set a goal when I started Great Western, I wanted to build a $2 billion company. I felt one point, approximately $1.5 billion short. 
What if I had set a goal of a $20 billion company? Or what if I set a goal for a $100 billion company? Nobody's crying for me because the, I only grew the company uh, to uh, 400 and, uh, approximately $450 million. But if I had it to do over again, I would have set bigger goals for myself. But I didn't. And so that's why, you know, uh, I don't agree with President Obama's politics, but I do admire him for his bodacious goals. Who would have thunk it? A black president, and he had that goal for a long time. I mean, I take my hat off to him. Um, what is the number one challenge as a small business owner uh, or aspiring entrepreneur? Focus. Laser beam focus. It's very difficult to stay focused, especially once you get a little bit of success. Now, I want to explain, I want to give you two examples of geometric growth, quantum, quantum growth. Number one, when you first started your business, you started with nothing, $1,000, $500, whatever it is. And you, your first $100,000 in revenue, your first $500,000 in revenue, that's geometric growth. Okay. But the greatest example of quantum leap thinking in my lifetime is when President Kennedy said at his inauguration, I believe, in 60, 61, 61, we're going to put a man on the moon, land him safely, return him safely before the Russians do. And in July 1969, I believe it was, the first man stepped on the moon. Now, when he said that, unbeknownst to the people that were listening to his inauguration speech, NASA as we know it today didn't exist. We did not have a rocket that could get a monkey off the ground. We had no payload capabilities. We had no infrastructure. We had nothing. But millions of permutations happened. And then after four or five years, momentum. And in July 1969, about eight years later, eight and a half years later, more or less, that goal was fulfilled. Unfortunately, Mr. Kennedy, President Kennedy had, had been assassinated. But that's quantum thinking. And it exists today. Gates, Zuckerberg, the guys that you know the names of had similar ideas and they're alive today to show that it can be done. How do, how do you forge fearless mindset in situations outside your comfort zone? By throwing yourself into the breach, by engaging in activities that put you outside your comfort zone. Not once in a while, but constantly. Constantly doing things that make you uncomfortable. Constantly talking to bankers. Constantly talking to uh, accountants. One of the things I say at, um, at the seminar, and I have said for 21 years, is the CEO's job is not to run the business on a day-to-day -day basis. The CEO's job is to look for deals and capital. Deals and capital, 95% of the time. And I guarantee you, very few people that are listening to this or have ever attended this seminar initially, it's, within, it's, it's not within their comfort zone to do that initially. But it's like I got to be a world-class speaker, you know, uh, when I gave uh, talks on financial planning back in the early 70s, the first 40 or 50 speeches I made, people threw stuff at me. By the 100 or 150th speech I made, you know, I got standing ovations. But a lot of, I made a lot of mistakes. So I had to start out being poor to get great. Um, hey, Dan, what keeps me going? You, have, you obviously don't have to work anymore. I enjoy it. 
If that's not obvious to you, then somebody ought to, you know, run over you with a bus. I enjoy it. And more importantly, I enjoy seeing the successes you guys can make on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis, and a yearly basis. I have so many success stories now, I, I can't keep track of them all. Uh, and, uh, but the one thing I do know is the system works. And more importantly than anything else that I've said, it works with no fucking money to begin with. The mentor dream team concept works. Bill Gates has a mentor. Ross Perot had a mentor. I mean, it works. Um, is it possible to evaluate? Um, oh, when you're looking at transactions, how, how do you evaluate, and this is another big business school question, I'm, uh, 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 I'm cutting it down to the, the most germane part of it. How do you know what, you know, how do you know what to differentiate and what you put your effort in? Well, first of all, the high performance people focus on the few, not the many. Most of you listening to this now are involved in too many deals, too many transactions. You, you spread yourself too thin. It was proven many, many years ago uh, through studies that a, 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 a reasonably bright person can do one, two, possibly three things at a time well. You know, women are better at it because they know how to multitask better than men. But you're involved, find one thing that you can hang your hat on and drive it until it fails or until it succeeds. Uh, in terms of business success, could you, uh, could you judge a kid who attended the, oh, how do you judge a kid, the, the kid, the 18-year-old phenom that attended the seminar? Uh, he graduates from high school next week. Or actually this week. He paid, for him, he paid for himself to go to the council seminar. He's an internet, semi-internet guru, but he paid for himself to go to the council seminar. He graduates from high school. So we've decided more or less that he's going to postpone university for a year or two to see how he builds his business. Because he's done a pretty damn good job in the last three or four years, just you know, while he's going to school. Well now, starting next week, he doesn't have to go to school anymore. So we're going to see how it works out. Because university, although my, my children went to university and got multiple degrees, university isn't the end all. I mean, uh, Steve Jobs is a classic example. And even though Zuckerberg and Gates didn't graduate from Harvard, as far as I'm concerned, they went to university. So we'll see how it works. But his, he's got absolutely laser beam focus. Uh, and I attribute that to his parents. Uh, in his particular case, mostly his father. His father is a martial arts uh, trainer. Uh, and he, uh, he was able to uh, gain that uh, focus through his dad. I still remember he did 172 push-ups graduation night at the seminar, <clears throat> much to the amazement uh, of everybody in the seminar, 172 push-ups, and since then he's done 200 push-ups, um, and uh, you know he's got he's got great focus. He's got no bad habits. He doesn't smoke. He doesn't drink. Uh, and um, God knows, uh, Buddha or Allah, no, you can't tell how successful he can be. Uh, but focus is his primary great characteristic. Uh, can QLA be applied to other areas of business? other than business? The answer is yes. I already talked about it. It would great for diet. Uh, and you can't get your kids involved too young in it. Uh, so many good and bad things happen around the world on a daily basis. How do you determine what is important and what, is, uh, what you should be focusing on and should you uh, be uh, protecting yourself against? 
<clears throat> I don't. I don't worry about interest rates. I don't worry about the real estate prices. I don't worry about a recession, depression. I don't worry about any of those things. I worry about my deal, my passion. As I told the Financial Times many years ago during the great, remember, I got in the oil business when oil was at $40 a barrel and I wrote it down to 7 or $8 a barrel. And 10,000 companies went out of business, energy business, uh, uh, energy companies went out of business during that same time frame uh, in the United States alone. And <clears throat> I was being interviewed by the Financial Times and they asked me, Dan, how is it that your company, Great Western Resources, uh, has done so well? And I said, uh, my, my, my partners and I and our board decided not to participate in the energy recession. Actually, it was a depression. Uh, don't worry about what's happening in the world. Just worry about your deal and your dream. Uh, how will I know if I have chosen the right financial path? You don't know if you've chosen the right financial path. You'll know it only in retrospect. Don't worry so much about that. Don't load us, they don't say, well, it's one, two, three anymore. Don't uh, spreadsheet it to death. Just fucking do it. And if it doesn't work, move on. Next, you gotta know, K-N-O-W, when to say no. What is the best strategy uh, to come back and kick ass? Uh, the best strategy to come back uh, is as soon as you get knocked off the horse, as soon as your deal fails, that's what I assume this question means, is, to get involved in a new deal. Right away, don't, don't think about it. Um, I'm smart, full of ideas and aggressive. My limitation, I live in a third world country. People always say, if you live in America or England, you'd be filthy rich. But uh, I want to know, is your training uh, capable of turning someone like me from a country like mine into somebody with no um, or very little capital? Yes. The system was based, written for somebody like you. I started with no money, whether I had no money in uh, Senegal or not. I told you earlier, uh, a mentee of mine uh, flew in from the Congo. Uh, he was dirt poor in the Congo. We're fixing to, uh, we're getting ready to fix that problem. Uh, I have uh, mentees, Mikey the pizza boy. When I met him six or seven years ago, he was flinging pizzas and he came to me, I still remember, uh, I can close my eyes and still see him. Uh, uh, Dan, I want to be uh, uh, a movie maker like uh, uh, Steven Spielberg. And I sat there listening and I said, what the fuck? What do you do now? He says, well, I make pizzas. Uh, and I said, okay, the advice I gave him, drive limousines, uh, you'll meet some movie people. He has a high school education. He's from Albania. Uh, uh, he's a smart kid, he's a good looking kid. Uh, and uh, he just uh, did his, uh, uh, his first 100% feature film, Mikey Boy, uh, which opened in November to uh, big uh, crowds uh, in New York City. I happen to be executive producer on that movie. Uh, and, um, the, uh, and he's now traveling all over the, the, the world making movies. Uh, uh, but he had no money. Uh, I have a guy uh, in the UK uh, in the late 90s who had one O level. One O level meaning uh, ordinary, uh, he, uh, uh, which at 16, I think he quit school, or got thrown out of school, not sure which, had one O level. He had no academic, like chemistry, math, etc. cetera. Uh, and we did about a $400 million uh, public and private merger deal uh, in, in the late 90s. Uh, and uh, I, I have countless stories like this. So it works. Now, um, 
I, I, I want to close this. Uh, I have to lean forward. Excuse my lean. Uh, th this is this first uh, Ask the Fifty uh, Billion Dollar uh, Man podcast is dedicated um, uh, to my parents because the self-esteem that I have, uh, which is pretty extraordinary, uh, is based on how I was raised the first seven or eight years. And my first seven or eight years was with my mom, because my dad was always gone. Uh, my dad uh, made $142 a month as a policeman. He had two extra jobs, as security guard uh, in two other places to put food on the table. After World War II, as you know or may know, I was born August the 10th, 1945, right at the end of World War II. And, uh, but his work ethic, as I've already alluded to, was extraordinary. His honesty, uh, his integrity were extraordinary. And uh, I and my brothers attribute our success in life to the example that he set for us. Now, uh, when uh, I was graduating from junior high school uh, in 1957, he wrote me what I'm about to read to you, uh, and I, I normally get choked up when I read it, but I'm going to try not to this time. Uh, and uh, I've, I've read it, God, a thousand times probably, and I've used it in speeches countless times. But it, 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 it and, and I realized I was blessed that I had parents that were supportive, uh, although my dad was extremely strict. Uh, and he gave me a number of beatings. And I must admit, I deserved virtually all of them because I was a total fuck up. Uh, I, was, I've been, uh, I was thrown out of school, expelled from school three times before I was 10 years old, before the fifth grade. I was arrested four or five times, the last time of which was February the 10th, 1977. I remember it like it was yesterday, uh, and most of my arrests, and I, uh, and I was arrested, put in, in jail, but I didn't go to prison, but most of my arrests were alcohol-related because I was a, a party animal, uh, and even as a successful person, I was a pretty party animal. Uh, in recent years, since I turned 60, I've pretty much given up drinking. Uh, uh, the, uh, not because it's bad, uh, and just like I haven't commented about whether you want to take a hallucinogenics or not, that's your choice, not mine, I don't care. Uh, but I've given up drinking because I want to be as sharp and focused and lucid as I can, as long as I can. I'll be 70 next year. I don't feel 70. I don't look 70. Uh, I went to my 50th reunion uh, a few months ago, and God love them, I saw a lot of my old friends, and uh, they, uh, with one or two exceptions, I'm in better shape than uh, all my classmates. Uh, but I still love them anyway. Uh, but I, I work very hard. At, at being a high-performance person. Not just about business, not just being about a mentor, but I work very hard about my health. I take way in excess of 100 pills uh, a day, uh, spread over five or six times. Uh, normally, in this kind of uh, long uh, interview uh, or uh, taping, I would have taken some pills, but I'm not taking them on camera. I drink uh, at least uh, uh, three, three and a half liters of uh, water a day. Uh, and I very seldom have any alcohol. Uh, I eat well, um, and the, uh, I exercise uh, at least five times a week, and sometimes I exercise every day. I don't exercise like I used to. I don't, I don't lift heavy weights anymore, but I do exercise. Um, the only health uh, challenge I have is, is some arthritis. 
which isn't that bad. Um, but high performance people are high performance in most of the things they do in their life. So, some are high performance in everything they do in their life. So I try to lead by example. My leadership skills are extraordinary. My communication skills are extraordinary. But I work at it. I was up at four o'clock this goddamn morning. You know? Uh, and uh, I, I want to read you this. My dad wrote this. It says, to my son, the future is yours. Approach it with honesty and ambitiously, with a will to fight for the rights of mankind. Always balance the rights of man with the rights of society. Have faith in yourself and faith in people. For if you trust no one, you cannot trust yourself. Now, I focused on honesty, ambitiously, most of my life, and having faith in myself. Because if you don't believe in you, trust me, nobody else will. People want to be around successful people. You only have one time to make a first impression. I look different than the other guys, I talk different than the other guys, and I certainly fucking act different than the other guys. My mentees look, sound, and act different than the other products of other personal development and sex success programs. I have as much free data and information about QLA and being a high performance person than anybody on the planet. Anybody. 108 or 109 newsletters. Countless pages. I think my website has three or four hundred pages on it. Uh, free ebook. My product that I don't sell anymore, you can get on Torrent, including my book, Your First Hundred Million. And now, newly initiated with this broadcast, a semi regular podcast, QLA podcast, Ask the $50 Billion Man. Now, a little news blurb. I've been approached about doing a reality show. I don't know if it's going to come to fruition. Uh, I don't really have time to do these podcasts, but I decided to do it because I was uh, the overwhelming success that I had with London Real. And again, I, uh, I, uh, I thank uh, Brian Rose for the opportunity. And, and in the podcast vein, I've also just scheduled a podcast with Bulletproof which is another leading podcast, which will happen later on this year. And as I've already told you, uh, hopefully we're going to do a podcast for uh, another London Real podcast in October in conjunction with, uh, uh, or uh, not in conjunction, with London Real, with Brian coming up to the castle, which ought to be a hoot, ought to be a lot of fun. But the reality show, um, uh, in its early days, uh, would be based on you come to the castle seminar, for example, on a Sunday night, you have the dinner, you dress for success. Six days of seminar, graduation night in a tuxedo kilt. Uh, and by the way, the, the kids dress for business. The kids that attend the seminar are dressed, not necessarily in three-piece suits, but they're dressed. Coat and tie, the women um, uh, are in the equivalent. Not with jeans, not with a shirt, open shirt, 
not with uh, uh, track shoots, etc. Why? Because I want you to get used to the ambiance. I know the CEOs of big companies now wear suits with open shirts, but I want you to look presidential. Do you ever see the president doing a, a newscast or a speech uh, or a prime minister in, in an open shirt when he's making an official announcement? No. So we dress for success the whole seminar. So the reality show would be based on that. It would also be based on the private time that I have with you discussing your uh, 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 individual uh, uh, needs, desires, uh, specifically tuned to you. And we're thinking about, talking about putting a, a money element to the uh, reality show. And the money element would be, I would get the seed capital for the best attendee during that week-long seminar. I personally, actually my wife Sally and I. Um, the, uh, and we would follow you for a year through the conference calls that we have monthly and through the weekly reports. Uh, there's nothing else like that on television. Uh, and, uh, and part of the reason that there can be nothing like that else is because number one, nobody else is given their uh, deal in a, in, a, in a castle. A couple of the guys and gals have rented castles, etc. cetera, but um, the, uh, it should be fun. I'm looking forward to it a lot. I'm looking forward to these, um, these podcasts. And as, if you ha haven't figured out, I, I could probably talk for 25, 30 hours straight other than getting up to go to the bathroom. And, uh, and I'm not drinking all my three liters of water here because I'd have to get up and go to the bathroom. But I thank you very much. I've enjoyed it immensely, the first one. I plan on many others, and God bless, peace. This is AskThe50BillionDollarMan.com's official disclaimer. Comments, questions, and remarks made during any part of this podcast are intended to generate discussion and reflection, but are not legal, accounting, tax, investment, appraisal, medical, or other professional advice or instructions, or factual reporting, all of which are expressly disclaimed. Remember, investigate before you invest. We can't do that for you. You are solely responsible for your investigation, analysis, and decisions made with your independent professional advisors, familiar with your specific and verified facts, and current applicable laws and regulations. Reliance on this podcast, its contents, or its participants for any personal or business decision, including but not limited to legal, investment, or other financial decisions, is disclaimed. No comment, question, or remark, or other content shall be or be construed as an express or implied promise, undertaking contract or agreement, or a waiver of any part of this disclaimer or applicable laws. The owners and distributors disclaim any obligation to supplement, correct, or modify the content of any podcast. No content shall be deemed to encourage evasion or disobedience of any law or the submission to jurisdiction in any country. Reliance upon any facts assumed to be true for the podcast is disclaimed. Persons or entities referred to are fictional, and no depiction or reference to any person or entity is intended. Any seeming resemblance to an actual person or entity is entirely coincidental.
All content is copyrighted and may not be used without written permission from Dan S. Pena, Sr.